Section 5 of Wildlife on a Norfolk Estuary by Arthur Henry Patterson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 3 Men and Manners, Part 1. Early in the 90s, a large and elaborate volume was written by a naturalist purporting to give a faithful delineation of men and nature on Braden waters but although vigorously written in parts it gave us some grossly exaggerated pictures of the hardy men who wrest a precarious living from its depths and its mudflats to represent these men as drunken and vicious was a distinct calumny that some of them do frequent taverns in idle moments goes without saying for they like others who follow hazardous pursuits much dependent on the moods of the elements are perforce often idle and having no fitness for intellectual pursuits and hobbies they naturally drift to those resorts where warmth kindred spirits and congenial converse are assured one who reads the book i refer to might be forgiven if he imagined the author had gathered much of his information in low bar parlours or persuaded men to drink until they were merrily and extravagantly reminiscent i make this apology for a class of hardy and honest toilers who are no worse than other unskilled labourers, who are often intelligent and observant, and, to their credit, are as a rule sturdily independent and self-reliant. The majority of the old Bradeners, aged men as I knew them when a lad, were wholly illiterate and uneducated. They had never been to school like generations of their forebears they had tumbled into their father's boats and been made to supplement the family's scanty earnings ere they had picked up sufficient education to fit them for the present-day infant school their fingers clasped the boat saw before some lads of today have yet mastered the proper handling of a pen their early toddles were to take something to father's boat his dinner or a bag of shot or to carry home some of the fowl that dad had killed they knew the ebbing and flowing of the tides as boys today know the north and south on the map sometimes they would go to sea with the shrimpers and help them sort the catchers or hold the tiller while the shrimper manipulated his nets there was quite a number of mussel boats even within recent years that were worked by a sort of horizontal hand capstan placed in the bow which wound the boat up close to some post in braden or to a vessel in the harbour a dredge scooping in mollusk and rubbish mud and stones as it dragged along the bottom these boats were cut down luggers boats of which the small boy acted as a sort of mate or second hand of late years 
thanks to the sewage abomination a medical veto has condemned the muscle of which myriads people the river and channel bottoms then the boys would borrow an old boat and go up Braden, with naked legs and dilapidated pails and cans to gather the winkles that swarm even to this day in the zostera on the mudflats small fishmongers were ever ready to take all they could gather and as this was a remunerative pursuit to themselves as well as their elders they worked industriously at it getting themselves into a sorry plight with mud and moisture they would vary the fun by stripping and wading about in the drains in pursuit of flounders which thirty or forty years ago were far more abundant than now they could feel these flatfish gliding about between and around their legs and would promptly plant a foot upon them stooping down often at arm's length to seize a prisoner with both hands and adroitly throwing it onto the flat to be bucketed by those remaining upon it their pursuit of wounded fowl after the night's shoots i have already described in my book nature in eastern norfolk and as soon as they had strength enough to handle a spare oar into father's boat they went as a supernumerary hand to help pull against the tide or tow the net that encircled the cunning grey mullet or the scented smelt soon they helped to mend the old nets and in time to braid new ones there were a dozen other incidental pursuits that brought a little grist to the mill or helped to fill the pot lines were laid for eels mushrooms were found on the marshes just beyond the walls driftwood was gathered for the fires and to supply the neighbours for air iron supplanted timber much wood from the shipyards went upstream there was but darting too in winter and many a little job to be obtained in helping to overhaul yachts for Braden was until recent years a favourite sailing place for quite a fleet of them charlie thacker or young stork as he was nicknamed to distinguish him from Braden stork his father and baker stork his brother who divided his time between his oven at home and his punt at Braden, told me when chatting recently beside a comfortable fire that when he was only fourteen years of age he shot alone with a big gun carrying three-quarters of a pound of shot and that went with a plug breech and a cap to distinguish it in his description from the flint guns that were still in use let me introduce thacker who is a very fair representative of his class a little tough-built wiry fellow turning grey at sixty-four quiet and law-abiding smelling strongly of tobacco 
but of drink knows when he has had sufficient and has followed Braden since he was a child he had passed through all the stages i have just described and until recently used a punt gun but as it was star washing business taking out a license he sold it not so long ago today he is factotum for a gentleman gunner and during the warmer months devotes his time to eel babbing and his leisure in winter to picking he ran over the gamut of the old braden gunners as he well knew them and some of whom i have recollections of there was poker lamb who gained his nickname undoubtedly by some fluke or great success at potchard killing for a name is soon obtained even on some trivial pretext and it sticks to a norfolk man the rest of his life there were breton lamb and saltfish jacks silky watson who had a wealth of silken curls pyro pestle still alive china crickma of pugnacious memory jimmy butterfant old jack bessie pintail thomas his brother gaby fiddler goodens still living and many another who had preceded them one of the most notorious and whom i knew well was cadger brown to speak of whom to this day will draw a smile from any bradener for many of his tricks were at their expense of him anon thacker's gossip was a lively description of braden men and things silky watson he knew from the time he left the fleet he had been through the russian war he was a decent fellow until his mind went wrong and they had to take his guns from him and put him away he was the neatest man at laying a fowl you ever saw he would lay so close you could not discern anything of him above the gunwale as he sculled on to fowl he once shot a shelled duck and left it in his thacker's houseboat just while he did a bit of eel picking on the flat when he went to the boat to fetch the duck out it flew it had recovered from the shot which had only stunned it in my book nature in eastern norfolk a similar incident is narrated of a hobby braden isn't what it was forty years ago there was plenty of water then why a wherry could make a board from where the railway bridge now is to rotteneye another higher up at lamb's rond and two more higher up and find itself at borough there had not been a wherry across Braden except up Duffel's Drain this twenty years. At Rotten Eye, now dry a long time before low water, there were four and a half feet of water at dead low water thirty-five years ago, and when the wind blew hard from the southeast, straight from Holland, we got plenty of Brents 
hard fowl such as scalps golden eyes tufted duck etc and dutch fowl a smaller and darker mallard than our own there was a big reed bed all along from lamb's rond to rotten eye for the water was more constantly fresh before the present salt rushes were let in by a deepened harbour and the punt gunners used to draw into the reeds and quite hide themselves there were from twenty to twenty-five big guns and each man took his station and kept to it there was no rushing out to get the best of another boat if the fowl left one man's bit then of course there was nothing to say against it but woe betide anyone who left his place to best another he was likely enough to get a shot at his boat thacker had seen twenty-five boats after eels picking in rotten eye at one time i asked him about pokers or potchards and this strange weed they love so thacker called it poker grass tangle that had a small pea grow on it near the roots rotten eye was full of it these peas the potchards fed on after pulling up the weed by the roots to get at them he had shot plenty of pokers in his time only four years ago the largest flock of potchards he had ever seen dropped into Braden, some hundreds of them he was in b's gun punt and pulled at them with the great breech-loading punt gun the cap was bad and misfired he rode up after them again they merely paddled away and three cartridges did he try each with a like result they had bad caps he had killed forty-eight widgeon in the early spring at one big gun shot and lost several cripples this was his biggest shot he had killed five swans one day at one shot and secured four swans next morning nine bean geese he obtained on one excursion and sixteen brents on another also four white fronts once when laying at thirty swans his gun misfired and five spoonbills very immature ones he slew at one discharge of his gun they were so very immature he could scarcely dispose of them the last couple he sold for a shilling old poker lamb's wife was a veritable bradener she used to dress in an oily jumper clap on her head a sou'wester and go smelting with her husband she would take one oar he the other and between them they managed to get the net round and ashore he would get out onto the mud and hold the line while she rode out and semicircled the net then she would throw him her end rope and alternately the old fellow would pull the two ends of it in his faithful wife splouncing the water behind the bite of the net to keep the fish from bolting out thacker called a ripple of water a breville 
and rough water was a swell get a wounded poker in a breville said he and you may lay your life you'll never get it out for it'll lay itself flat just under the water with only the bill out that much measuring the tip of his finger among the strange captures he had made on Braden was a hundred and a half of full-grown herrings during the midsummer fishing season turbots and brills up to a foot long he had also taken and small place one sharp winter the stock ice came up from below in big lumps and crabs carcinus minus came up in thousands frozen in and to it we wasn't much troubled with crabs the next deal babbin season nowadays you can't drop your line in afore you're fast to a crab confound em said thacker fair play in the old days of many birds and many guns was an understood thing when laying for fowl no man was supposed to cross another's bows and the first man to arrive on the scene had first choice of place although lapses from grace were not unknown such an incident was remembered for long after especially if by sharp practice some unusual advantage had been gained on one occasion gibbs when lying in his punt in the middle of Braden, shot an osprey the bird mortally wounded gradually came down still pursuing its direction of flight and landed in a marsh over the south wall silky watson who had been watching from a point near the walls rode might and main to get to the bird first and gun in hand ran up the bank detected the bird in the grass and hurried towards it it was already dead but he fired a shot at it as if it were only wounded and making an effort to escape gibbs topped the wall in time to see this trick of silky's and a wordy encounter followed by rights the bird belonged to gibbs but being the weaker man might defied right successfully a compromise being arrived at and a division of the profit being promised otherwise gibbs would have got nothing at all to this day reference to the subject ruffles the temper of poor old gibbs i suppose it is but ordinary human nature that prompts a man to get the better of his fellows in some professions it would be termed competition in other walks of life various other terms would signify the same thing pintail thomas once told my friend di who was out in his punt seeking victims that if he went round the corner of the next rond he might get a chance at a fowl di went but no fowl rewarded his outlook but meantime thomas who had seen fowl in an opposite direction and had thrown his rival off the scent went and made a successful shot in may eighteen eighty seven 
before a watcher had been duly appointed on Braden, and ere I had given up shooting on principle, I fear I was as sad a poacher as my opportunities allowed me to be. Ben Dye and myself, on a bright early morning, sallied forth on slaughter bent, should any spring waders be luckless enough to allow a near approach, and we had agreed to divide the spoil, going halves. We had barely fastened our punt to the timbers of the old ship Agnes in the ship drain, ere a big gun boomed half a mile away in the five-stake drain, and looking round, I espied four avocets making straight for us. Telling Ben to look out, I fired at the hindermost bird as they swerved to the left, and brought it down. We rode excitedly after it, and while gloating over the beautiful thing, tossed up which of us was to have fifteen shillings or the bird. The bird fell to Ben, who has it still. But while in the midst of our exultation, a punt we had not noticed coming bumped against ours, and a demand for our bird was peremptorily made. Your bud? said Ben, who had slipped it under the box seat out of reach. How'd you make that out? We shot it, said her and Pintail. We proceeded to argue the point, but the two Bradeners persisted, and began to use language that was more in keeping with the mudflats than with parliamentary ideals. And in their chagrin, they threatened summary vengeance. But seeing the threatening attitude of Ben's oar, they thought wiser of it, and suggested we should settle the dispute ashore. To make matters less complicated, I asked what size shot they had used. Number twos, said her and Thomas in one breath. Very well, said I. I used only number fives. And when the bird is skinned, if any twos are found in it, we'll come to terms. To this, they reluctantly assented, suggesting anyway that we had done them out of a good day's work. When the bird was skinned, only number fives were found, and we have since found out that the two gunners, finding they could not get near enough for a shot, fired a forlorn shot, rather than not fire at all. Cadger Brown was a rough fellow, passing harmless, but a waterside Ishmaelite, inasmuch as his hand was against every man. No eel trunk floating in the stream was ever robbed of its contents, but Brown obtained the credit for the exploit. When tame ducks or geese vanished mysteriously from the marshes, it usually happened that he had been seen loitering in the neighbourhood, either before or after the event. Did any marsh farmer hope to gather a profitable crop of mushrooms in the morning, Cadger was almost certain to be there before him. His punt, as I knew it, was a shapeless bundle of firewood, 
on whose decks and sides were nailed much tarred canvas that kept the timbers together but it did not keep out all the water no one knew when or by whom it was built he used to bab and shoot on braden and spent many of his nights on adjoining marshes and rivers one night in the seventies when hares were yet game and abounded on the marshes he ventured up the bure with another kindred spirit a man who had left norwich because his poachings were too well known they shot three hares that night after the moon got out and came home a policeman suspicious of their movements came to overhaul the boat but brown had just time enough to slip the hares into an eel trunk and drop it overboard where it floated innocently enough this happened to be the only part of the fixtures pc searchlight failed to examine on another occasion cadger had shot a hare on the marshes and found the keeper in pursuit of him he came away in a great hurry on the ebb tide and as soon as he landed hastily secured a pot of red lead and painted the boat all over when the keeper arrived in town next morning and came to look for a certain dark-coloured boat he could not swear that brown's which answered in every particular but the colour of it was the boat he had seen on the previous evening such are examples of the many strange doings that were related of him in his day but brown's poachings and pilferings have long since ended and he has joined the great majority of Bradeners. the last of the punt gunners proper was johnny alias pintail thomas who died in the fisherman's hospital in 1901 thomas like most of his congeners was born of a braden sire his father and grandfather having lived and one of them died on braden his earliest associations centred in and around his father's old flintlock punt gun the mullet and smelt nets and other paraphernalia of their calling and he was rocked as much in the punt as in the cradle when old enough like most of his class he went to sea in fishing boat and smack and when tired of that rough wild life took to pursuits and lived amid scenes hardly less rough and wild he followed Braden assiduously for nearly all the thirty-odd years I knew him. As a boy, his shop window was a kind of wonderland to me. Meat was sold on one side and vegetables on the other, fronting them being huge dishes, sometimes empty, but often full and piled with knots, turnstones, dunlins and ring plovers, that had been slain by johnny rows of gulls ducks and curlews adorned the hooks outside the rarer birds that fell to his gun were always in demand by certain collectors and dealers and a brisk trade was occasionally done in the commoner fowl for the table 
the girls when there was no demand for their wings and plumage by millinery firms were stripped of their feathers for the making of pillows etc and the smaller ones went into john's saucepan before the close season was instituted thomas shot all the year round except on sundays but the sight of an avocet or spoonbill was too much even for his scruples and he fell from grace and sneaked out after them long after close times had been ordained he would take sly shots and by some means smuggle home rare birds and birds in their nuptial attire well knowing there were methods of disposal and buyers all ready to take them but close time was a death blow to the professional gunner although the altered conditions of braden the drainage of the surrounding lowlands added to the constant noise and turmoil of traffic all round the estuary by rail and steamboat have all militated against that quietude so beloved by birds and what is quite essential abundance of food birds in winter or in immature plumage are comparatively worthless to the collector from whom the latter-day puntsmen derive their greatest profit and in winter they are so uncertain in their visits that they could not depend on shooting as a means of livelihood then too latterly there has been a falling off in gentlemen gunners who prefer to go to more bird-frequented haunts, and the puntsman's office as pilot and factotum became lost. In Thomas's time, almost all the old gunners had cleared out guns and appurtenances, and the men, compelled still to follow Braden, being useless for work ashore, turned their attention to eel-babbing, eel-picking and smelting several whom i knew ended their days in the union yet so strong is the fascination of this rough outdoor life that there are still a number of men pursuing it and there are lads following in their footsteps for there is often profit enough to weigh against the uncertainties and disappointments attendant on the nets pintail thomas's old punt gun was fairly typical of some used on Braden. It had once been a flintlock, and on the coming in of the percussion cap, had been altered at the breech, as some others had been. But for some years, the lock had become so weak that the trigger would refuse to crack the patch unless persuaded two or three times, while at times it refused to explode at all. Thomas was prepared against this, and always carried a piece of bent iron, part of an old swivel's knee. This was used as a hammer, and the cap cracked by means of it. Needless to say, birds sometimes benefited by this cumbersome and unsportsmanlike method of procedure. Thomas was fortunate in his last years, when racked by gout and the legacies of his old hard life in going into dry dock in the old fishermen's almshouses, where, 
until his death a roof and a weekly allowance sufficient for his needs were assured him most of his old chums had preceded him to the workhouse and some of them have gone there since poor old fellows they seem quite resigned to this ignominious finale i have found them cheery and reminiscent when i have visited them and sat by them loading their pipes and talking of braden's departed glories it is the old man's delight to live in the past and to grumble today only one man may be termed a semi-professional punt-gunner one fred clark a sturdy brown-visaged bradener whose face is wrinkled and scored by hard knocks and exposure but he has to supplement the few short months of wildfowling by various jobs ashore mill-writing gate-building and rough marsh-farm carpentry a veritable recluse he lives summer and winter in his snug little houseboat on bannam's rond within hail of my own and seldom goes up to town save to dispose of his game or to lay in fresh stores for himself and gun he is brimming over with bird lore and but for his inaccessibility would be a perfect boon to the amateur naturalist and penny a liner who might be fortunate enough to interview him there are some half-dozen amateur punt-gunners to be found at intervals gliding along the runs and drains of Braden, ready to lay at any small bunch of knots or curlews or even a single fowl although occasionally they fall in with unexpected numbers and surprise themselves and others by their skill and strange good luck also there are always punts containing amateur shoulder gunners who are popping incessantly on every hand directly a few flocks of small waders have been seen on the flats and these would be more numerous had not the addition of march and august to the close season months made sport scantier than ever for them end of section five